Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. I'm Tom Cliff, creator of the world famous online stand up bingo, which started out its life at Northampton Town Football Club. Join me every Saturday at 2.15pm on the Cafe Track Facebook page for your chance to be crowned stand up bingo champion of the world. Every ticket purchase goes towards keeping Cafe Track and Track NN, a social enterprise dedicated to helping people to access work experience and hopefully employment. Buy your ticket now at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Cafe Track. Make sure you leave your chosen 15 numbers between 1 and 90 in the comment section and then play along live on the Saturday afternoons before the Cobblers game. So go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash cafe track now and get your ticket for the world famous stand up bingo. Brain again, and he's got it! Gavin was closing in. Oh, Gavin has scored! Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not to three. Yeah! 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 Hello and welcome to It's All Cobblers to Me. It is the preview show. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, I'm here with Danny. How are you, mate? You okay? I'm good, thanks, mate. Good, good. Um, first things first, mate. Should we just sort of quickly talk about that board draw? <laughs> 
Come on the show was... every week, don't we? Like, I'm, I'm just begging for one Saturday where we can come on the preview show and actually be happy about stuff. <laughs> so we come on every week and say the same stuff before the, the interviews, I guess. And we must just send them into this like meltdown before they even speak. It's this, uh, yeah. Because uh, I, I, um, I paused it at half time yesterday, basically, um, because you can do that with iPhone because it's another Zoom call to do. So I thought I'll settle down at half nine. You know, put it back on and and we've done all right in the first half so i thought oh you know there's a couple of chances here first five minutes of the second half we have those two where edmondson and marshall go through one-on-one thought like keep this going keep this going then we just completely stopped and I, it was like it grew more and more frustrating as the night went on because there was no urgency at all that's the key thing i took from it there was no sense that any of them thought they were in a relegation six-pointer with this other team we we're playing um, like Mitchell's goal kicks, ridiculous. <laughs> every every time he took a goal kick, he's like ambling over to it and just walking and strolling to put the ball back. Tim Oglethorpe was completely right in saying, like, get on with it. Like, we were all screaming. I'm sure you were as well when you were watching it live. Mm-hmm. Get on with it. Just, it's like, this is a, we need three points from this game. And it's just like, he didn't seem to figure that we needed to get the ball forward. And it didn't seem to be in their minds to, to actually go and turn this into a proper scrap and try and win the game, which really annoyed me and frustrated me. So it's, it feels like a massive missed chance going into this game because it's another game where we've gone past and not taken three points off a relegation rival after Burton and Wigan. And it's, you just wonder where the points come from in, in that case. When If we're not going to be that urgent against a team like that, then who are we going to do it against? It's, it's frustrating. I mean, firstly, I've got to say that just how funny it was because all of us here at the Patreon Slack group was on fire <laughs> and we all agreed that nobody tell Danny how bad the second <laughs> half was. Make him watch it and suffer like we did live. Nobody say anything. Uh, <laughs> that, that was quite good because about, what, an hour later after the full-time whistle, you came onto the Slack group and went, why didn't any of you tell me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks for the heads up, boys. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the same happened to Matt Summers a few weeks ago when he did the same thing. Oh, and yeah. It, it was, again, it was a terrible second half. And... Absolutely. Oh, but um, secondly, yeah, I, I just I just wonder whether that whole lack of urgency thing came from John Brady. I mean, he said it, didn't he, in his post-match interview, that one of the things that um, we didn't do well enough on Saturday against that lot from down the M1 um, was we didn't control or manage the game properly after we'd gone 3-2 up and that's basically what happened to make us concede two and then lose it and I think he maybe had this thing in his head which was just like whatever you do don't concede Mm. and it got later and later it was just no slow it down let's make sure that that doesn't happen this time around Mm. yeah there's there's a fear there for sure like when it crossed about the hour mark, there was a fear in us, I thought, that we just didn't want to lose the game. And I don't think we're in a position where we can do that. Like, I'd rather see us go and get three points. You know, what's one point's not making that much of a difference. Like, if we go and lose the game, giving it a go, then it's not, it's bad, but it's not, it's not as bad as not giving it a go. And you might get a chance like we did in the first few minutes of the second half and stick one away. But, yeah, it's... I think actually, if you, I think part of the problem is is that so first of all, you look at the league table, and we are essentially one win away from getting out of the relegation zone. We're maybe two wins, three wins. Look at Shrewsbury; 
three wins or whatever it was that they did on the bounce. And they're basically outside of that seven, you know, team battle for relegation. Mm. Nobody's talking about them as being, you know, a candidate for relegation anymore, or at least they're not in the sort of the national way of looking at things. Mm. It's only taken three wins. And I think in a way that's part of the problem is that because we're so close, People aren't so. And also, I know it's. I know it's the end of February. Normally, we'd be going right. We've got two months left of the season. We've got what eight, nine, ten games left, something like that. You know, panic. Yeah, <laughs> we've, we've got like we've got like the best of twenty matches left to go. It's not as urgent, maybe as we as fans think it should be, and. The club are probably just being more sensible than the fans do or the fans are. I'm I'm just sort of suggesting that maybe I'm an idiot for for being like, just get it forward. Get on with it. But but there's a massive difference in us being there as well. Like, because we're not in the grounds. Like, can you imagine last Mm. night that happening and how much we would have had to urge them on? They would have probably felt like they had to go and power for a winner because you'd have four five thousand people let's give it let's be optimistic screaming it would have been at like mitchell. galatasaray on a champions <laughs> league evening wouldn't it <laughs> screaming at mitchell to just kick the bloody ball and uh, that's a difference but I, I think i feel like we need that urgency now in in all of the players because if it gets to another you start ticking down the games and you get to 10 games to go we've got a pretty hard running as well like we need the points and we need to get out. And I think I feel like we need that one win to kick us on and to get their minds right again and to get them into that winning place again and think we can actually win games. Let's push on again and let's believe in it again because they just feel like they've lacked any belief that they can go and win a game. It's strange, isn't it? Because actually the last, well, three, four games, all of the games that Brady's been in charge, we've started really well. We've looked really positive and, and really good. And then we miss a couple of chances. And like you say, maybe the belief goes. And so that's what causes us to just end up either either settling, like we did against Rochdale, or we end up basically losing the match because mm. one, one goal conceded and there is no way back essentially for us. Um, but I am, I am thinking that there's positive steps. One thing very, very quickly I wanted to mention before... We, uh, we meet our Swindon fan for the evening, is that I wonder how much the pitch dimensions are playing against us at home at the moment. So if you compare Saturday's game at Stadium MK, which is a bit like Wembley, in a sense, it's a very big pitch. Yeah, don't. I'm not comparing it to Emily. That's I'm just saying it's a very big pitch. That's all I mean by that. Don't start me off again, Charles. <laughs> it's surrounded by plastic, but it's still there. It's fine. It's just a. It's just a very, very wide pitch, mm. and obviously, Sixfields isn't the widest pitch anyway. And at the start of the season, Keith Curl decided to bring it in by about ten feet. So, to me, it looks a bit too long and too thin. <laughs> Needs a bit uh, more. Only Neil, Neil was here right now. <laughs> I 
Are you Roger. suggesting that we knock down one of the stands, Charles, and just extends? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying that I think when when you see um, the game on Saturday, compare it to the Tuesday night game against Rochdale. Rochdale basically flooded that midfield in the second half and made it even more narrow. You know, yeah. their fullbacks pushed up to keep Kioso back and, and Mills back on the other side, and then flooded the midfield so that you couldn't play through that midfield so therefore there was there were no gaps to mm-hmm. exploit and the only way that really we were going to do anything was by going long and trying to hit them over the top which is you know what Keith Curl would have done mm-hmm. and everybody hated that yeah so and, um, and Ipswich was the same it was fairly mm-hmm. I seem to remember the that game where we had a bit more space um and we probably should have won that game as well um playing the way we were and yeah, maybe we should just extend the pitch a little bit to get the get the lines, <laughs> stretch it out, stretch it back out to how it used to be because it's it it just didn't work the second half last week, last no. night. Sorry, so. no, it didn't do it. Anyway, um, let's turn our attentions to this Saturday, um, and introduce to all of you our Swindon fan, uh, Rich Pullen. How are you doing, Rich? You okay? I'm very well, and I must say it's. Very reassuring to be outside of my echo chamber that is Swindon Town to see that you guys talk about exactly the same stuff. Maybe not the narrowing of pitches and things like that, but um, we never we never think about like anyone else's form and and stresses. We just think about ourselves. So I'm slightly reassured that we're not going through the we're, go, we're not going through it alone at the moment, shall we say? <laughs> yeah. So it can be our support group tonight. Exactly. <laughs> This is this is basically what it's become, isn't it? Every single Wednesday when we record this, uh, myself and Danny, we, we spend the first ten minutes sort of whinging and moaning, and then our our opposition fan is sat there, and we just think, right, okay, you're our psychiatrist for the evening. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us everything. <laughs> What's it like when you get someone who supports a team that's very good at the moment on? Is it insufferable? All right, we don't we don't get anyone on like that. Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> to be fair, we haven't had anyone. I think I think Lincoln was probably yeah. the last one that we had, um, where obviously they're they're doing quite well and mm. not until Ac- so Accrington as well was. But I think Accrington was more like we're doing well. What the hell's going on? Rather yes. than we're doing well. Yeah, um, do my and- head in. How, how 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 dare they be so well ran and and so good and everything just be so happy up there disgraceful absolutely disgraceful absolutely that is it nail on the head i hate it <laughs> i mean the the lincoln guy jake who came on um from the stacy west podcast i mean he he was great because literally we were able to sort of take the mick out of him and him to just join in because he was like going, we're top of the, we're top of the league at the time. It was like, look at us, we're brilliant, we're top of the league. And I just sort of went, not for long. There's no expectation from him, but he feel he felt like um, he almost had to act the Billy Big Balls because of their league position, which meant that he had a bit of fun with it. But I think when you get teams like ourselves and, and like Swindon who are down near the bottom. There's almost a kind of camaraderie in misery, and you you kind of just sort of think, well, if you if you can't laugh, then you'll cry. So 
um, this this nation was built on gallows humour. I'm pretty sure, and um, and football's no different. I, I think as a football fan, and I've said this quite a bit on on my podcast that I'm always far more relaxed when we're rubbish. You know, I know where Swindon stand when we're not good. When we're great, I can't hack it. I can't deal with it because I know it's going to end and it's going to end really, really bad. And I really suffer when I'm watching. I enjoy it. Don't get me wrong, but I'm I'm a much more nervous. When we're no good, well, what else can happen? You know, we lose again. You know, nothing can go wrong now. You know, it's easy. I'm, I'm, I'm always like... I've missed promotion games because I've lived all over sort of the country in comparison to Wiltshire and I've missed big games. I've missed one Wembley final because I lived up north. But when we've got relegated, I've been there every single time because I've, I've just made myself, dragged myself to these games because if you go to these, everything else is fine. You know, you, I guess there's a level of elitism there. So where were you when we got relegated at Ashton Gate or anything like that? But, but um, yeah, it, you know. Funny old thing, isn't it, football fandom? But yeah, um, Lincoln, they're just riding a wave that just won't go away at the moment. They were, they were my dark horse this year. Um, so I'm already calling that as, as a successful prediction, considering that almost every other prediction I've made has been complete nonsense. So Lincoln. Well, seeing as you've brought it up, I'm just going to make this uh, make this point very, very quickly. I, I, I did, if you remember, Danny, on our predictions podcast right at the start of the season, gave Blackpool as my dark horse and you all laughed especially what three four <laughs> weeks into the season they're up to fourth now so I'll, I'll take that yeah, <laughs> yeah are they they're 14 I think, well, they've crept up there I think because there's so many other are we, are we like sure? stories there's so many stories around them that are, um, no they haven't Charles no, they're fourteenth. Fourteenth. Hey, well, I'm, oh, I'm just looking. I've crept up to fourteenth. I'm taking that. <laughs> what I wouldn't give for fourteenth right now, eh? Isn't it just? You're just like <laughs> okay. See, look. I mean, this is what happens when you're down at the bottom. You get delusional. Getting yeah. <laughs> I think I was thinking of. Um, I think I got mixed up with Doncaster, but. Because um, I thought you said that to us the other day that Blackpool were thought, and I was a bit surprised. But we, I, I reckon they're not. it must have been off the back of something you'd said and, and yeah, yeah, clearly yeah. wrong. Yeah, my quizzes probably. Yeah. We <laughs> had them down as as automatic or playoffs. Blackpool, we didn't have. Well, I, I didn't. I think I had them as like the the overrated. But there was a lot of stuff over the summer with Blackpool because they signed a lot of Swindon players, or at least were linked to a lot of Swindon players. In reality, mm. they signed Keshi Anderson and one of our loan players from last year, Jerry Yates. Um, but they were linked to almost every single player that was either available or um, signed a, a new deal. And, um, and so there was a little bit of a weird rivalry for a few months and then they beat us and then we just... And then and then Richie Wellens left, which was an ex-Blackpool player and I don't think they care now either, to be fair. But yeah. yeah. I do like those little kinds of rivalries that pop up for no reason, really. I mean, they've signed one of your best players. It's like us with with Lincoln a little bit, is that, you know, Michael Appleton was in charge of Oxford, of course, when last time we got promoted in 2016 and Oxford finished second. And Michael Appleton turned around and said that Oxford were the best team in League Two that season. So obviously put a cross on his forehead from all Cobblers fans. So we've always had that kind of thing. They've smashed us 4-0 this season. So it's just like... Yeah, go, you, were, you, were, you got the silverware. Didn't they have like an open bus tour for second Yeah, they did. They did. Lovely stuff. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Why not? But then again, crew, um, their team photo has a trophy from that season, but 
you know, we won League Two. So they've got this runner-up trophy, which they're all sitting around. Ah, that's not for me. I'd rather nobody got any trophies last year, to be fair. But but you don't put your runners-up trophy, which is identical to the, the, the champion one, the League Two championship yeah. one. It's just, come on, guys. Be cool. Be cool. I think that there are only two trophies that really matter, and that's when you win the league and, and the playoffs. You can have a trophy for the playoffs because yeah, it's a mini cup absolutely. competition. So, um, yeah, should, yeah. Should we just get our trophies out and compare them, Rich? It'd be quite nice. We could do that, couldn't we? On it. Yeah, by all means, let's do this because we've got we've got brilliant. a few. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, um, maybe not. Let's gra- grab the Monster Cup, Charles. Quick, 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 grab it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, well, look, let's 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 turn our attentions towards Saturday. Then, first question, Rich: How wide is your pitch? Uh, and second question, um, last time out, we won 2-1. Christopher Missalu actually scored for us. Um, you got a penalty um, to give you a little bit of hope that turned into nothing. Um, this time out, looking for revenge. You've got Missalu. You'll be sure, certainly hoping that it will score against his former club. Yeah, Missalu's a funny one because he, he, he might be suffering John Sheridan syndrome where... He made his debut, probably. He played very well, his full debut, and since then he's been dropped. So um, that seems to be a running theme with John Sheridan players or players just generally in John Sheridan's side where they have a good game and slowly their confidence is shattered and they disappear. I think, to be fair to Missalou, it might have been tactical more than anything, but he might start against um, Northampton. John Sheridan strikes me as the sort of manager that would apply the law of sod and go, well, he's an ex-player, so let's stick him in there and see what happens. Pitch is wide enough, I think. I don't know if it's the widest in the world. I, I've not measured it, but I think I think it'd be okay. I'm just having flashbacks to Andy Williams' winner last say, year. Yeah. Um, it was plenty wide enough that time. And, <laughs> And if there was a running theme from the podcast that we do last year, I think I must have mentioned that bloody goal almost weekly, if not bi-weekly. Still don't know how it happened, but never mind. But yeah. It's good. <laughs> it was... I was going to say it must be long enough because that was that was about, I think Charles's comment was it was pretty much in Oxford. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah, Fabulous so. goal though. Fabulous oh, goal. Hell of a finish. Hell of a finish. Just absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, give the give the linesman the assist. Definitely. It was yeah. fabulous. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it loads. Um, so talking about your season and we were talking about it before we started obviously fairly similar to us in that we're 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 two of those seven teams that look to be fighting it out uh, to remain in league one for next season obviously as well the other thing between the two teams is that we both came up from league two last season so in, in terms of the the two sets of squads we'll probably know each other quite well I mean do you think that this is a game that is must win for you guys? Or are you kind of a bit more like, no, there's still plenty of games left. It it, it doesn't have to be three points this time. I think uh, sort of micro game by game basis that it is a must win for Swindon because, you know, we're, we're celebrating yesterday after the Lincoln game because that's the first time this season that Swindon have gone two games without losing all season long. So we got a very unlikely and undeserved win over Crew, And then we got a very well fought out point against Lincoln where we did put a shift in and thoroughly deserved it. And that's the first time that's happened this season, which is hence why we're, we're right way down there. So I think it is very important in terms of momentum and just 
we're slowly but surely coming to the terms with the fact that John Sheridan isn't going anywhere and he will be with us until May. So we we really have to just deal with that and get behind him, even though he makes it so, so difficult. Um, And, and, it's 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 it has to be. I don't like the term six pointer, but it is an absolute must win. It, it just simply is. And now it's probably the worst time to play Swindon because we're two games and B, and it's probably a really good time to play Northampton. So that's where your nil nil draw prediction comes in right there because it, a draw does neither of us any good really. It's just um, the Lincoln game last night. <clears throat> sorry, Lincoln game last night. If I'm looking through message boards and stuff, it feels like quite similar to how we played at Lincoln in that the usual style that Keith Curl had was dropped completely. And we tried to kind of take them on in a more passing way and, and pass through them. And we actually played them off the park for a lot of the game um, and probably should have come away with something. It sounds like you went away from Sheridan's usual usual style a little bit for that game as well. Um, Do you then fear that you then go back to type on Saturday for, for the game against us. Yeah, George Sheridan never really keeps the same game plan um, throughout the season, um, for good or for bad. And, you know, I think there was this general sort of consensus that the Lincoln game was a free hit for the club. So there was no fear. There was no like, well, what if we get smashed? It doesn't matter, you're playing the team that's top of the league. So just get it done and see how it goes. So there was no there was no fear in that side yesterday. And we could have easily come out of that with three points. Lincoln definitely wasn't their best performance of the season, but it, they also weren't terrible by any stretch of the imagination, either in comparison to games that I've seen. Lincoln fans may disagree with that, but um, they've got some really good players who played who, who played really well. But yeah, I do. I do wonder whether whether John Sheridan will just go back to basics, and if that's the case, it'll be awful. Because one of the successes against Lincoln for Swindon is we actually played players in their right positions, and it's amazing what happens when you apply common sense to football. So we played a, a lone player called Jordan Garrick, who he's been playing up front. He put him in the wing and he was he was brilliant. It was like a different player. The jury was out on him because he hadn't played well. Stick him in his favours position. Boom, there you go. Scott Twine, he's playing him now. Scott Twine had a really good loan spell at, at Newport County. Many Swindon fans actually didn't want him to come back this year. They wanted him to sign a new contract and stay at Newport because what Flynn was doing to with him over there was really, really good. But Swindon rightly called him back because we don't have the squad depth to have that luxury. If he's scoring 25 yarders in League Two and putting in a shift, we really do need a bit of that. But he hasn't been walking into the team. He scored a very good goal against Ipswich Town on his return. And then he's sort of slowly but surely been getting less minutes. He started against Lincoln and he was a nuisance. And I think he'll start against Northampton and will be will be a key cog in whatever we do that's good against you guys. He scored an absolute screamer. Was that the Ipswich goal? Yeah, was it against that. them? Yeah, he's, he's got them in his lock. He's been doing that in pre-season with the first since he was 16, 17. So non-league team, he'll you know come on and it's 50 minutes to go and score from 30 yards. We've always known that that's what Scott, Scott Twine could do. It's just what his rest of his game. Um, but he's bulked out and whatever Flynn did with at Newport really, really has worked. So we've got, you know, loan deals. That's what they're supposed to be for, right? 
to mm, develop yeah. you know they're not all about like maybe they'll sign them they're about going down a level it's about time it's so rare that Swindon loan out players to other EFL teams and it's something that really annoys me even if it's National League you know that's fine but we just don't do it they always go to the local teams like Swindon Supermarine or Chippenham Town and teams where they just end up and the cycle of young footballers is never ending so to get an EFL team get minutes play well score goals get attention it was win-win and it's really paid but now we've got to use that by playing him <laughs> which hopefully we'll do as as the season progresses i think it's something that um that people the teams that we've got quite a similar problem actually that that we send our players just to to like brackley's and and places like that but it was something you touched on there the the manager having such an impact on them isn't usually looked at as much and i sometimes wonder whether we do we should look at who's managing yeah. play as well so the likes of um uh, Morecambe manager was his, his name, ex Plymouth guy, Derek Adams. Derek Adams, yeah. So look at look at team, look at managers. Don't just look at throw them anywhere. Look yeah, at you've actually got the to know, what he's doing. At, at the same time, though, those managers have got to want your younger players. Yeah. That, that's yeah. The, yeah. the flip side of it. Is that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, especially with, I, and I appreciate what you're saying because it was it last year he was on loan at Newport. No, it was this season. This no, season. so it was this season. That's so, okay. I mean that probably wouldn't have happened say last year when you were in league two, because you're then giving a rival league two team, a team in the same division, the option of having one of your players. I mean, I guess you can go and put a clause in to say you can't play against the parent club, but I mean, you can still go and play against other teams that, you know, they might need actually that team to win yeah. uh, for you to yeah. actually go up or something. So I, I do get it. But I think actually once you get into League One, that's more likely then because there is another level that is professional below you. But think, at the same time, you've, the manager's yeah. got to want the player. I think you're right in terms of young players. So in terms of your your development players, your 18 to 21-year-olds, I think you're spot on. But for senior players, it's more of an open... I mean, Owen Doyle last year came to Swindon, scored 20-plus goals. His parent club was in the same division and it got messy as hell as a result of it because Bradford were obligated, even though they didn't want him, the manager didn't want him, the owners didn't want him, lots of the fans didn't want him for a long time, but then they see him scoring 20 goals from a promotion rival so they need to derail Swindon's season he didn't call him back they played him he was useless for him because they were playing him out of, you know it wasn't in the style that he prefers and the rest is history and I think like you're right and Scott Twine did go out on loan in seasons previous and guess where it was it was Conf- it was National League South of Chippenham where he was too good and the pitch wasn't right. I think their coaches at the time probably had Swindon background, so that's that that always helps. But it, it's it's a vicious cycle, and and it's not easy, you know, because if they were good enough for League Two, they'd be in the Swindon team in League mm. One, and that's that's the big difference, isn't it? That's that's the thing. If you if you can afford to let somebody go out and loan to a League One or League Two team, it's because they've generally fallen out with the manager, or they just don't fancy him. It's not for development purposes. So let's um, let's move on a little bit. Obviously, you won League Two last year. Um, well done, mm-hmm. uh, begrudgingly. Well done. Um, <laughs> you've you've come through into League One. Um, started okay. 
I mean, it, it all looked like it was going to be fine for all but one of the promoted clubs, mm-hmm. us, from pretty much the start of it. Um, but you have dropped off a bit. Obviously, as well, you lose quite a lot of your players from last year. We talked about it before. Uh, you know, at least two of them went to Blackpool um, and others went elsewhere. Um and then, of course, Richie Wellens decides that he'd like to have a bit more money, please, Gary Neville. And <laughs> this is off up north to Salford. Right, what are your thoughts on all of that turnover? Yeah, so it, it's, it's as always with Swindon Town, it's always been a bit of a soap opera. And the foundations of it go be before the season even starts. So... You know, there's a retrospective argument that we got lucky with Richie Wellens. You know, Richie Wellens plays really good football. He's 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 going to have a good career if Salford stick by him because he's not doing too well with them at the moment. He's going to go on. He's even even if it's in development for the game, he's going to work in football all of his working life if he wants to. I think. Um, and the fact of the matter is, as you mentioned, at the end of the season, a season which was a bit of a damp squib. We won the league. It didn't feel like it. It was it was a great shame. I would have rather we did like a round robin tournament with the, the other teams um um crew and Plymouth and winner takes all and some sort of social dist you know, some sort of thing that would have allowed a definitive winner because Playoffs. Exactly. Well, yeah, playoff, a playoff for the title, you know, would, would have been fine. And I think that would have been a fair way of doing it because the other two teams' momentum was going. Swindon's was doing fine. There's every chance we would have finished first, but I wasn't convinced. But I get a lot of stick from that, from Swindon fans in terms of that opinion. We were very good and we were worthy winners, but it didn't feel like a championship season. Then we had our parade of the trophy they, where the, the guys turned up for what turned out to be pretty much the last hurrah as a, as a squad because all of them either went back on from their loan spells or left the club permanently. And the reason for that largely is we just couldn't afford to keep them by the sounds of it. The big issue with Swindon Town is that the model that we were operated on worked in a season-by-season basis without a pandemic. So you get a load of players on one-year contracts, you get five loan players in, and you do that cycle over and over again. And it, within the pandemic, it just... And Wellens tried to build a squad, brought in a couple of all right names, but you're relying on your loan players. Stephen Bender, our goalkeeper last year, brilliant. Uh, DJ, who we did sign, was brilliant. And then we sold him on deadline day. Um, Owen Doyle and Jerry Yates, all key players, all lone players. Some did sign, but, you know, that that's the fact of the matter. Um, and then we just, we started the season, you say, okay, winning at home, losing away in the first few weeks. And then slowly but surely, things started to unravel in a big way. And Richie left. And Richie saw... Richie either knew what was coming or was warned by Swindon. I don't think it's as clean as Salford's money came. I mean, the guy is from that neck of the woods. We always sort of said, I mean, there'll be an episode of the podcast from two years ago where we, you know, over a year ago where we say Salford is the risk um, because it was just too obvious. And I think he knew the writing was on the wall in terms of what he would be able to do at Swindon. Considering he signed a new three-year deal, whatever it was, you know, the same year as he left, but he he scarpered his his handover wasn't great. It was a bit messy. He said some things 
to the local media and supporters club on a live stream, which he sort of went against when he spoke to BBC Radio Manchester um, the next day. So he kind of suggested that he was a bit like homesick, needed to spend time with his family. And the next day he told the local radio up in the Northwest that he's not here to be with his family. You know, so there was a lot of conflicted, conflicting stuff, which dented his legacy slightly. And then the replacement came in, which was John Sheridan. And John Sheridan is somebody that nobody was really too hyped about when he when he joined. We know all about John Sheridan because he's managed clubs in the same level as Swindon before. He'd already this was his fourth team that he had managed in in the calendar year, um, alongside Chesterfield, Waterford. Uh, Wigan and Swindon, all in the same year. The guy who lost his job at Notts County for being abusive to an official. The guy who annoyed the football in football in Ireland because he said they were all pub players. Um, and you know he took the Wigan job really because it was a job, and he he took Swindon job because it was a job that offered a little bit more you know, contract longevity. So, you know, he is a complete journeyman manager. He's he's not got ambitions to go beyond um, Swindon. He's just, I think he's a, he's a caretaker in the sense that he'll go as soon as the owner sells up, they'll all go. And then we're left with about four contracted players and maybe in League Two. So, you know, I hate to paint a gloomy picture because things are beginning to get a little bit better in terms of the playing side of things with John Sheridan, but he's, his credit is still in the red. Um, but it's an absolute ball ache of a season to experience during all of this pandemic stuff because you just want it to be nice and easy and just, just hassle-free. And there's been some weeks where every day something new comes up, players disappearing, are they injured? Lone players go. We had Kieran Freeman arrive on a free, and he was gone three weeks later to Swansea. DJ left an hour after the window closed. You know, it's 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 been a real pain in the backside, but it it, it is what it is, and and it's starting. If we if we find a form now, then it, all everything that goes before is just is just you know in the history books. And as long as we survive. I don't care. If John Sheridan keeps us up, he's done his job, he'll get my respect for that, then please go. And then let's start with a new manager and a new squad for 21-22. But it's been, it's been, it's more than just poor performances on pitch. There's there's been layers behind the scenes in relation to Swindon's downfall so far. I mean, we'll go on to this Saturday's game in a moment and and we'll talk predictions and, and things. But I just wanted to go back to something that you said. Uh, just in that last answer about how Swindon tend to work on a year-by-year basis and and a lot of loan players or one-year contracts uh, handing out. Something that a number of Cobblers fans have been quite vocal about, especially over the last sort of 12 to 24 months, has been a lack of ambition for uh, the board and the football club as a whole. So regardless of, of who actually owns it and who's been in charge of the team. And I, I think that stems from the fact that Northampton have been perennial yo-yoers of the last 20 years between League Two and League One. Um, it sounds to me like it's almost exactly the same in terms of ambition. You, you talked about there sort of saying that you don't feel like there is any ambition. I mean... Does that all come down to you, to your your current chairman, or is it 
more of a historical thing like some of our fans accuse Northampton Town. It, it's a it's an historical thing. It doesn't matter who's in charge. This is the way it's always been. So it will probably carry on like this. It, it, I think in in this case, it's down to the person who owns the club because there isn't a boardroom. There is somebody else who owns 15%, but there isn't a collection of five or six people that are wanting to do the most for the club. It's one person and it has been for the overwhelming majority of the time. And there has been ambition. There was there was this goal when, when he first came in, we got to, we almost got to the championship. But again, it was built on buying players with huge sell-on sort of percentages. So if we did sell somebody, we weren't making a lot of money out of it because we'd have to give QPR or Tottenham or whoever we signed players from, mostly Tottenham, loads of money as a result of it. And great players were loan players. And then the next season, we were unable to build on the basis of that. And then it was a mediocre season and relegation and it's repeat. And since then, it's just it's just unraveled. And it... I mean, there are players that we have given three-year contracts to, but that usually, you know, two-year contract means you sell someone after a year with Swindon Town. It doesn't mean they're here for two years. It means that you can get money for them in the in the summer window before they leave, before their contract's up. And we, we, we've had a couple that have signed three-year deals, including the manager. The manager is gone. One of them, Michael Doughty, quit football to run his sustainable trainer company. That's a real thing. And the other one was DJ who who left for Charlton. You know, when you've got play, your managers going after signing a three-year deal, your, your best creative midfielders leaving, essentially retiring to run a shoe company. And you, you, you one major creative player goes in January because we need the money or, as they say, they activated a clause. Now, those clauses are in place not to leave after one window. They're there to go after a summer or maybe two years. They are not there because the player wants to go after three months that's that's a complete nonsense so and the player wouldn't be pushing that unless we absolutely needed it um i think there's ambition there i mean just before the the pandemic hit there are over ten thousand at, at swindon games for an exeter one with exeter bringing their percentage of fans the potential is there it's always been there um, but we we really struggled. And the people within the club, the guys who are responsible for trying to get fans in, they work so, so hard. But what do people go to football matches to see? The floating fans want to see victories. And to, to win games, you've got to have the best players or the better players. And that is not what Lee Powell has been doing over the last few years. We went up last year as champions and people that don't watch Swindon or don't know much about Swindon will just look at that and go, just sit down. You've won a league. You, you know nothing. But there is this element that Swindon just, the elements just fell right. We just happened to have a player coming on loan from Bradford that equaled a close to a hundred year record, you know, and his goals and him and Jerry Yates, his partnership, all it takes is a 25 goal um, centre forward with someone complimenting on 10-15 and that's enough to get you in the playoffs minimum so it, it's it, it, we were dancing on a volcano last year there was there was no real strategy in place for us to build on we wanted to go so fans want to go from league two they want to do what like teams like Wickham have done and Luton have done Barnsley you know have done similar where they just climb up those bloody divisions because the squad is in place and they build on from there. But it, that doesn't happen in Swindon. It's always seven new players every year. Uh, yeah, it sounds very familiar, doesn't it, Danny, to be fair? 
Um, yeah, definitely. Oh, <laughs> yeah, just... sure. It's like start get get a promotion. Uh, players go start again. Yeah. To be fair, I mean the one thing that I will say out of this, and I I don't know how you'll you'll feel about it, Rich. To be honest, but I almost feel like we're not alone. Thank you. You know, it's not just us. You talked about, you know, obviously you being in your echo chamber, um, just as Swindon fans before. And, you know, it's it's the same for us. You know, we'll sit there and we'll listen to what other Cobblers fans are saying, won't we, Tanny? And we'll... You either, you either start going, oh, everybody's moaning again, or everybody's got this say, or, or you start actually going, do you know what? I think you might be right. I think this might be us and this is what we're destined to be. And I've always done that thing where you go, you've got to remember that there's, well, that, you know, in each division, there's at least 22, 23 other teams in that division, all fighting to do exactly the same thing as you are, which is to be the best team in that division. Um you're all fighting over the same sort of player pool. And, you know, there will be, okay, it's probably more relevant or, or you know, you can see it clear in League One this season because you've got Sunderland in there. You've got Ipswich who should technically be able to afford a much bigger, much higher quality of player uh, on their books. But at the same time, every team is still fighting for those same players. The wage cap that now no longer exists should be, you know, enough to sort of put everyone on a a playing field on paper. But it never will, especially now because it's been kicked down the curve. Um, But, I mean, it does make me feel a bit better that you're almost saying everything that Cobblers fans say. Yeah, yeah, and I imagine there are teams that are operated in a very similar way that are doing very much well, doing very well at the moment. And the noise at Swindon was was dulled when we were winning games, you know. And there's always and the people that are going, but wait, are the ones that are like, oh, you're just waiting for something bad to happen. It's not. I'm really happy with what's happening on the pitch, but this will not stay this way if we don't do something about it or if they just change their model a little bit. I mean, I don't know about you in League One, but it really annoys me with the amount of legacy big teams in the division. It just, it just, um, it started with like maybe Sheffield Wednesday and then Leeds, Leicester, Sheffield United, Wolves, all Bolton, Wigan, well, not Wigan, they're tiny club. I still, I still, I still, I still expect to beat them every time. I, I disregard <laughs> everything they did in the 2000s. Every time, every time I see we've got Wigan, I kind of think of what what division they were in when I was in like my mm. teens, and think, well, with two bit two divisions above them, we'll be fine. But but it just makes it so so tough for teams like Swindon and Northampton to really compete. And the only way to compete that is by spending money they haven't got. And I don't want Swindon to do reckless things, but you can create a football model which is sustainable which allows young players to develop and stay and move on and we don't have a much of a youth setup we have we have hard working good players but we don't really do you know our players get sold to brighton and, and aston villa when they're 15 that's where we make our money essentially through the academy players before they've even made a senior appearance which is the same we are we are no different to anyone else but it's so transparent and it is preventable. 
but there is no desire to change that. I mean, our owner's interest has been much more on the development of a training pitch, which has stables and houses in um, than he is with the fortunes of the football club. You know, that's what, that's his last hurrah as Swindon town owner is this development thing that he's trying to do in the town and everybody's rolling their eyes to it. And we just, we just, you know, we need new ideas. We need multiple ideas as well. We need more than one person with a vision. We need a whole thing. We need a fan on the board, just like everybody else wants. Um, and and one day, hopefully that'll happen. The end is nigh um, for Lee Power. The, the, just the thing that still lingers, especially after Berry and Macclesfield, who didn't go under because of the pandemic. They went under because of poor ownership. The thing with me is we need to we need to make sure power goes or we will end up maybe not exactly like them, but we will end up similar having to drop down leagues because they've just they've just neglected the club to the point of no return. And that's the biggest concern. And if no one's concerned about that, about their League One or League Two side, then they're, they're dreaming and naive. But that feels more real now. There's been no suggestion of that, but it's always the next down the line of what we've been experiencing at Swindon. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, let's turn to the match. Um, I'd love to just carry on talking because it's been great, but um, we do need to actually just mention at least that there's a football match on Saturday. <laughs> um, so I, I'm, I'm going to start with you, Danny. Um, what, what are your thoughts? What do you think? So from a cobbler's perspective, uh, do you think Brady might change uh, might make more changes? He, he obviously did make a change, a couple of changes, in fact, to the starting 11 on Tuesday night against Rochdale with Edmondson coming in to start and um, Sheehan and Miller as well. Um, do you think that he'll name that same team again or do you think maybe it might be a case of that didn't quite work? Let's Let's try something slightly different. I'd like to see Miller get more minutes because it, it sounded like it's a tactical thing for him to just get 45 minutes um, I'd like to see pretty much the same team that started because we seemed like we're on a pretty good thing the first half Miller was doing a doing his thing a lot more than Sam did when he came on um, and he's got that little bit of creative spark in him that, and that little bit of extra quality in him I think that, that sets him apart that he could just do something from somewhere um, Alan Sheehan you've got to keep in he's He's just so integral to that defense that it, it just everything feels so much calmer. Like watching it, you feel calmer watching him. Like in that defense, he needs to stay there. Um, if he if his legs will do it, I'm hope, hopefully it will do. So I can't see him changing too much. No, um, I'd probably go from the start. I thought I thought Edmondson was actually really good in the first half. Tailed off a little bit second. Um, but he's he had his best, <laughs> yeah, he had his best game for us. He clearly had a rocket up him. I think um, it probably should have come off a little bit earlier, but. I felt like his first half was was his best that he's done for us. Which I will say, yeah. just very quickly, um, Mikel Miller is just a class apart, isn't he? Just his his ball control skills is is just yeah. We just we just want to see more of him. I just mm. want him to play more minutes. Like we're desperate to get him on the pitch. I'm sure Brady is as well. That he, like I said, he can just do something from somewhere. Can he? It's it's got that extra championship touch that none of the other players have. I mean. Kioso does it in parts sometimes. I think um, he's still a bit raw though. He's still he, a little Kiyoso? bit, yeah. Yeah, he's still yeah. a little bit <laughs> bull in the China shop as well, isn't he? Um but yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Just want Miller to play as much as possible. So hopefully we get a good hour out of him. Okay. I, I personally would have um had it been a case of 
you're only allowed to play him for 45 minutes, yeah. Miller. I'd have brought him on in the second half rather yeah. than started him and taking him off. Because I, you, you almost saw every single Rochdale player just take a huge sigh of relief when he didn't come out after yeah. half time. Yeah, yeah. So do it the other way around, John. Yeah, if you're I was thinking the same. Yeah. <laughs> just do it the other way around this time. Just bring him up after, after half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just do it that way. Some won't mind, I'm sure. No, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, let's get a prediction from you then, Danny. What What are you going to go for? Um, are we going to score? <laughs> How wide is the pitch against Toe Ridge? You say it's quite wide. <laughs> no, do you know what? I don't. I don't know. No. Well, we know I it's know, quite long, it, but. It, yeah. yeah. Okay, let's score. One all. I'll go one all. Oh, one all. Okay. <laughs> um I'm going I'm going to be optimistic and I'm going to say I'm going to say it's going to be the same score line as it was in the home game. I, we'll win 2-1. Yeah. I I, I, I don't know why. The the win is coming. I I can feel <laughs> it coming. Might might not be this Saturday, but I'm going to say basically from now on daddy I'm predicting a win. Doesn't matter who we've got. Last day of the season, the, the stadium of light, <laughs> I'll be up to 9-0 wins, okay? That's what I'll be predicting. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'll go with 2-1. And I, I think that... I think Edmondson will get off the mark, you know? I, 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 if he plays like he did on Tuesday night, he will get himself at least a couple of decent chances. And he'll put one of them away. And as John Brady said, actually... I think once he gets one, he'll be on a roll. His confidence will go up and it'll be great. So, Who's the linesman, by the way? Have we got a linesman here? <laughs> uh, it's a Mr. A. Williams. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> I liked Andy when he was a Swindon player. He was really good. Really good. Um, <laughs> right, Rich, go on then. Uh, Swindon perspective, prediction for this Saturday. Usually when, when I'm asked for predictions, I always either say a loss or a draw, but we have to win this one. And looking at your form, you know, you, you drill into it. You see, you see nil-nil draw against Ipswich, good. But you see that, you know, Ipswich went down to 10 men. Um, you see the amount In of the nil- last second, I yeah, will say. Yeah, man. <laughs> I didn't drill in far, far enough, obviously. But it's... It's the best time for us to play Northampton. It's like I said earlier, it's the worst time for Northampton to play Swindon. So that probably, you know, the narrative would suggest that Swindon will balls it up. But I, Swindon don't keep clean sheets. I think we've only kept two in the legal season, um, three overall, I think. So we will concede a goal. So I have to go with Swindon. I'm going to go Swindon 3-1. Um, and that is on the feel-good factor of the last two games because if we would have spoke a week ago, then I would have been in a very bad place, and you would have been, <laughs> you would have been soothing my soul because football is a fickle old business. But there was a lot of positivity from the Lincoln game. The players' heads were high, and the, the, you know we can see very early on usually, and that's that is it for us. And. 3-1 Swindon. I'm going for it. First time I predicted a Swindon win all season. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> it's the first time for everything, Rich. So I'm just hoping it's not this Saturday for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, before you go, there is one other thing that I have to ask you. Um, it's Christopher Missaloo. What, what, what are your thoughts on him? Well, he played his first start against Portsmouth, which was a dire performance but he made the EFL team of the night or whatever Mm. which showed you that you know we were very happy with him it doesn't strike me is is, is he more of a defensive 
minded midfielder. He didn't seem to pull the strings as much as, well, attacking wise, um, as as maybe we would want. But fine, yeah, it looks all right. I mean, I was surprised he left Northampton. You guys probably know more than more than I do. Um, I'm still sat here shocked that Alan Sheehan's still only 34. So, you know, it's, it's, it was 10 years ago when he played for Swindon, trying to do the maths. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Chris is, Chris has seemed to, he, he didn't play against Lincoln. He didn't start against Lincoln, which was a surprise, but it's been an okay start. But like I, like I joked previously off, uh, off mic, you know, the Sheridan effect is that, players have storming debuts and then slowly it's all beaten out of them with negativity and, and, and old school coaching. So we'll see if he can cope with that. I think he's only with us to the end of the season, which makes the fact that we paid for him slightly more first cool, but um, yeah, fine. Hopefully he gets better and hopefully doesn't blind or any pays us back for that goal he scored in earlier in the season. <laughs> Lovely. Well, look, Rich, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks very much uh, for joining us. And thank you at home for listening. Uh, We'll be back on Tuesday for our regular weekly pod. Um, I'm sure we'll have lots to talk about after an amazing victory for somebody. Uh, (laughs) Enjoy your weekend, everyone. Up the cobblers. Hopefully we'll get off at the mark finally for John Brady and he'll get his first win although it does feel like I've said that on every preview show for the last four weeks so uh, it'll have to happen at some point we'll see Um, see you next time thanks very much bye bye there's the cup there's the pictures you'll see on tomorrow's back pages the cobblers are going through into division one bring them on because we deserve it I'm Tom Cliff, Cobblers fan and proud owner of Track NN and Cafe Track. Track NN is a social enterprise set up in 2018 to support autistic people to access employment through training, support services and creating opportunities. Research showed that just 16% of autistic adults were in full-time employment and this is something which we are going to change. We opened our cafe on the Market Square in Northampton in January 2019 as a place where individuals could work and develop their employability skills and also be a place where people were free to be themselves. Since opening the cafe in January 2019, we have supported 36 people into paid employment and created over 75 work experience placements and visits for individuals. Since the coronavirus outbreak, we've not been able to open Cafe Track to its full capacity and we've instead taken our offering online. You can help support us by buying coffee virtually at buymeacoffee.com forward slash cafe track. Your money goes to helping us to continue to create opportunities for autistic adults to gain employment. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Podcast Network.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.